0: My visage is used for a large variety of romance scams. And so I'm... (laughs) Are
1: you kidding? Are you fucking kidding? I'm not kidding.
2: Smashing Security. Episode 220. Ransoms, Scandals, and Glitter Bombs. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 220. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week we are joined by a returning guest, but a guest returning from the mists of time. Can you believe almost to the minute it is four years? Pre Rona, pre Brexit, pre Trump. Since we had <laughs> Alex Eckleberry on the podcast. Alex. How are you? What have you been up to for
0: the last four years? What's <laughs> happened to the world?
1: Can you make it quick? Can you make it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah, nothing really. You know, it's been slow. It's been slow. You know. So, uh, but I, I'd love to be back at the show. And it is, it is bizarre that uh, that we're at four years. I mean, almost to the day. It's, 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 it's actually very cool.
1: Is there anything you want to tell anybody about who you are and what you do and why they should care?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, simply yeah. the last bit. <laughs> what? Why, why they should care? I, I've been told I have a good radio voice. You um, do. Yeah, but uh, so I, I look, I've worked in security for many, many years. And, uh, you know, I had an antivirus uh, software company, a company called Sunbelt Software that's now Viper Security. I sit on the board of a company called Malware Bytes, which is a wonderful. Uh, Product, yep. uh, endpoint security. And, uh, you know, I was also an early board member of a company called No 4 which is a security awareness training company. So I've done a lot of work on the board side. Also was a board member of Stop Badware, which is the originally Google back outfit to help with malware on the web. So, you know, look, I, I love security. I live it, eat it, breathe it. And, uh, I'm, I'm definitely in the mix. And you love the show, right? Well, you know, I was going to say that of all the shows I listen to... This is not one of them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, thanks to this week's sponsors, 1Password and SailPoint. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got?
2: I'm going to be sharing, everyone, a warning about Facebook.
1: <laughs> okay, fresh. Uh, <laughs> Alex, what about you?
0: Oh, I want to talk about Reveal which is, you know, this ransomware-as-a-service operation.
1: Cool. And I'm going to be asking whether academic research should be free for all and at what cost. So all this and much more coming up on this episode
2: of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, have you ever had a slightly rough night on the tiles? Have you been out partying? Maybe there you were at a security conference in Prague.
1: I never partied. No, never, you didn't do no, that. I never
2: went out. Never had fun. Alex, have you ever maybe enjoyed yourself a little bit too much? <laughs>
0: you, <laughs> you know, come I, home I, with a I,
2: swollen I, head,
0: as it were. I, I take the fifth. I take. I hear B vitamins and water helps, but maybe you have a better <laughs> idea.
2: <laughs> well, maybe if you did return to your hotel room or to your home, and you were slightly <laughs> inebriated, or the worst for wear, you may think. You know what I'm going to do? Uh-huh. What I'm going to do right now while my judgment is obviously slightly squiffy massively impaired yeah Massively impaired is I'm going to I'm going to send a message to my boss or I'm going to contact my ex-girlfriend or my ex-wife <laughs> and I'm going to tell her exactly what I think because I've worked oh. out precisely what I mean to say
1: Yeah yeah and you're kind of you're feeling it and you're like and I'm going to tell you something yeah. Else your mother uh, fame, me,
2: me, me. At that moment, at that moment, you believe you're Oscar Wilde.
1: I wouldn't know, <laughs> but I imagine it's very, very clear that you feel that you can handle that situation at that moment. Yes.
0: Right? Yes. Nothing could go wrong.
2: Nothing could. No, uh, no there's no way that. You're anything on top could of the world! Go. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously, you then send a message and it's offensive or it's, you know, it's something which you later regret.
1: Can you, have what, can you give us an example of something? Well, like it's I'm not saying. something I've ever done. No, no, but in your story, I'm presumably in a story well, well, to back well, well, up. This no, no, be-
2: <laughs> you make a lot of assumptions about my story. Okay, sorry. I think, I'm sorry. I think maybe you should wait and see. Okay, okay, sorry. So so you know, you you could you could send something maybe inappropriate. You know, you could criticize someone's food or their hairdo how they have spinach stuck between their teeth on Zoom calls or whatever it is. You could send you could send off some message or tell your wife that she has halitosis or who knows what. What do right? you mean
1: like text them? What do you mean? Hmm? What do you mean, like tell them, text them?
2: Well, you could send them an email maybe, or you could post a message. Maybe even worse than texting would okay. be if you were to publish it publicly and tag them, like a, post it on Twitter or maybe post it on their Facebook wall and say, you look fat in that dress. <laughs> I don't know, if, Alex, if you've ever been accused of being a, looking a bit fat in a dress. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Kilts, definitely a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so word has begun to spread that there is a new way for hackers to hurt and insult Facebook users. And that's why I'm talking about this, as if it weren't painful enough carrying the stigma of being a Facebook user. It turns out that hackers can send hurtful comments to your Facebook contacts, which look like you sent them or you posted them up on their wall, but, and here's the sneaky bit, your contacts can see the messages, but you can't see what you post <laughs> a bit like so you get, so you get a, oh a bit like you can't see the offense when you texted or you called up someone or left them a voicemail when you were drunk yeah right because you, you're it's invisible to you you can't see what's wrong with it well similarly you can't see what you've posted up on oh Facebook. i see what you've right? done there
1: good analogy right, Graham.
2: right yeah So thousands of Facebook users are sharing this warning across the social network and asking their friends and loved ones to share it further across Facebook. Tell all your contacts that if they get an offensive or inappropriate message from you, it's not really you, which I think is a rather fantastic alibi because you've now been given free reign to say whatever the hell you like to whoever you like. Oh, okay.
1: Well, why don't you tell us your top three?
2: Because do do?
1: <laughs> no, come on, let's do this. Well, I'm
2: not on Facebook, Corolla. You on Facebook? No, no let's imagine
1: we're on, let's do it on Smashing Security. Okay, okay so okay. what honest right. message do you want to send?
2: Well, you wouldn't have. To, well, I mean, well, I, I have, is there anything that you've <laughs> ever wanted to say to a podcast co-host, Corolla?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. I have <laughs> no. no interest in any of this. I, <laughs> well, I, I, I you're just saying that you now have got a free card. Free yeah, you got a,
2: a get out of jail free card, right? Right. Because you can say it wasn't me. I must have been hacked. See, you can see me saying your feet are very big or something like that, but I can't see it, so it must have been a hacker. I find that interesting,
1: and also it means that when the person calls you up and goes "WTF," you can go, "What are you talking about?"
2: You can say, oh, what, what, "Which what, is what, the what, best what, thing to do?" Right? right? <laughs> what? Do you, what? Alex, are you on Facebook at all?
0: Yeah, but I always thought this had to do with those sunglass ads I would get from friends. And they would always say, no, I wasn't hacked. But you're saying you could actually use this <laughs> for other things. <laughs> you say all kinds of things. <laughs> Ray-Bans. I don't know why I keep getting Ray-Ban ads from friends that are, hey, I was hacked. Don't click on the Ray-Ban ad. I wouldn't click on the Ray-Ban ad anyway. I wasn't looking for sunglasses. But yes, <laughs> I, I, I am on Facebook, and I can definitely see that situation. And could, would you
2: find it useful? Do you think you'd quite like occasionally to, to use this threat as a, a sort of alibi as a cover for abusing people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know I think people will just do that anyway. I think we've seen that on Twitter <laughs> where somebody says something embarrassing and it's like, "Oh, I was hacked. I really didn't say this terrible thing." Well, and,
2: it, it, this is true. A, a lot of people do do claim that they've been hacked when they haven't really. I've, there's been a series of I think I've lost count the number of times a rapper for instance has said something homophobic or misogynistic and I think there've been some politicians who in the past have liked tweets by Pornhub and things Mm. like that, and then said, oh, no, 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 I didn't do that.
1: Awkward. It seems to me like there's like a few options here, though, right? So either there is some kind of threat going around, in which case Facebook should come clean pretty soon and go, whoa, Mm. this is happening, or people are actually getting drunk, sending the messages, and then playing. Or. Or.
2: There is another alternative.
1: Exactly. I think it's a hoax.
2: You are absolutely correct. There was no other option. <laughs> the warning is entirely bogus. I've I've fooled you. Well I almost fooled you apart from I didn't yep. fool you. Because yep. Pivot, everybody. it's a pivot, it's a pivot in smashing security. We're pivoting now, we're pivoting, right? Because <laughs> the whole warning is absolute nonsense. People are spreading this message saying, oh my goodness, hackers are posting messages on walls, you'll see offensive things, but it's not being sent by you and you can't see it. Facebook has now come out and said, no, 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 this is all a load of old cobblers, right? This, <laughs> this isn't actually
1: happening. Okay then what's the motivation is just for people to spread it people to tell people of something fake like that's the what's I don't understand
2: this is the whole thing though this is the whole problem with disinformation generally right is that people <laughs> believe that they are being helpful to each other that they believe oh, I found something out mm. I I can help my pals I can warn them about this as well. I read a headline. I'm now an expert. Now, how
0: many times do we see the person posting, you know, from this point forward, all my information is copyrighted by the federal code, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you go, you know, this is a hoax. Dude. Yes. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's Facebook that kind of uses
2: thing. any of my data without first giving me so many dollars. It's just, oh, for goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, because you see Mimi, your friend Mimi posting this message, you think, well, Mimi's lovely.
1: Yeah, and, I love Mimi
2: right so and so you just you just reshare her message maybe you type it up yourself maybe you go and talk about it at your online book club maybe you discuss it in other places off facebook as well and say oh by the way, did did you know did you know this is Mm -hmm. going on on facebook and so people are spreading this left right center upwards downwards and it's like an old school hoax in fact this hoax if you just spent A couple of minutes researching it before you shared it on with other people. You would have found it on Snopes, which has been debunking this particular claim since 2012.
0: (laughs) So it's been going around for a while. But then you get the thing that you, you see you put a, you put the Snopes article and then they go no 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 Snopes is owned by uh, George Soros or something <laughs> so, yes you know so you you can't win I I just got in an argument on Facebook uh, yesterday about mm. somebody posted a huge picture of this tree that's two and a half miles wide it's a fossil and it went up 10 miles and it's what? and it's tree yeah it's 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 a picture of this it looks like this giant tree. And I looked at it and I said, well, obviously, you can't have a tree that goes up 10 miles. It makes no sense. You can't have a tree that's two and a half miles wide. <laughs> okay. So, of course, this is like people, oh, my God, when giants roam the earth. I'm like, okay. So, I do a quick Google search, find out it's some, it's some uh, mesa in Tunisia. And then, you know, I say, guys, this is a mesa in Tunisia. I move on. Of course, how do you know? How do you know that for sure? (laughs) Because I
2: use Google. I don't know. Have you tried this guys? Go to google.com. Listeners, try this as well, right? Go to google.com. Other search engines are available, but on this occasion.
1: We'll wait while you get your. Right? And I (laughs) want you,
2: I want you to Google the phrase, who invented blinking? Right? Who invented blinking? Put that into Google. And you will get the following answer. Alex, are you in front of a computer? Can you try I'm that? Doing for it me? Right. Who
0: invented blinking? Who invented blinking? Oh. <laughs> what does it say? Richard Blink. Blinking was invented in 1638 when Richard Blink tried to blink twice at the same, same time. <laughs>
2: so. <laughs> well, and this is an answer which Google has found on Alexa Answers for some reason. So I mean, you can't trust Google about that tree, can you? No. Maybe they're no, lying no, about it. No, exactly. It's, it's possible, possible, isn't it? And also, Soros is involved, I assure you. I, yourself, I mean, right, yeah. Soros got to be involved somehow, is not he? So-
1: <laughs> okay, but you know what? Mm. I kind of think it gives me hope for humanity, the oh, fact really? that all these people want to help other people by telling them. So, the engine is working. It's just the start of the information being shite, right? The engine of communication is working fine. We can't blame that. Yeah. It's just that the information was wrong. And
2: yeah, but good intentions, you know, aren't always. What, Graham? Hmm? What, is that why you never have any? What? <laughs> oh, girl, that was funny. I think maybe, <laughs> maybe we should get a seatbelt for internet users that they have to wear, you know, or something which just prevents a them from. A Well, something which stops them. Do you remember back in 2008, right? This isn't just a Facebook problem, but email, oh, yeah, it instant live messaging. Yep. 2008, Google introduced a feature to Gmail called Male Goggles. I think they got the name from Beer Goggles. So you know the experience when you go to a bar or something and you drink too much beer, and suddenly everyone becomes three times more attractive than Thank they are for in reality. explaining
1: the so, <laughs> thing that every fucking, fucking person in the entire universe knows. But yes,
2: go ahead. Now, with Male Goggles <laughs> on Gmail, if you <laughs> if you enabled the feature, what it would do is it would ask you to complete a few simple maths problems. In a limited period of time so it's say 29 plus 14 and things like that right before it would send an email and it would activate automatically late at night on weekends when they thought you were most likely to be drunk emailing your ex-girlfriend or telling your boss what you thought of him and mm-hmm. maybe that was a good idea and maybe we should have something like that on whatsapp and signal and slack and everything else just in case people are you know doing things before thinking well, food for thought, Graham. Food for thought. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> Alex, what story have you got for us this week? Well, we all know what ransomware is, right? And it's, it is a plague. And there's this one particularly vile piece of ransomware called Revil. The name is actually inspired by the Resident Evil movie series. Oh. And Revil is a ransomware as a service. So if you're an inspiring low-life uh, criminal... You can contact the Revil folks and say, uh, hey, can I, uh, can I become an affiliate? And then Revil will cut you in for part of the profits. And then you go off and try to hack into somebody. So
1: software as a service.
0: <laughs> it is exactly that. And the Revil folks, you know, they, they, they even went so far as to have a blog, which they call with great irony, happy blog, where they post. <laughs> It's literally what it's called, where they post examples of stolen data and then threaten to release the files if they don't get paid mm-hmm. the ransom. So, mm-hmm. you get hacked, and then they, they post a bunch of, uh, you know, it's, they, they, they almost always hack uh, corporate networks. And they'll post a picture of, here, we've got this spreadsheet of all your customers or your the spreadsheet, whatever. And uh, and then, and of course, that that's public. So, Because of this happy blog, some very enterprising security researchers, including people at at Bleeping Computer and a few other places, discovered that Revol is is claiming they have attacked Acer and are demanding a $50 million extortion. Now, they put some leaked documents allegedly from Acer, including financial spreadsheets and bank balances and that sort of thing. And there's kind of this weird back and forth. And we can, I, I guess, some security researchers can kind of figure this out that. The Rebel folks have actually been, you know, uh, enterprising and are offering a 20% discount if they got it by March 17th, which of course has already passed. Uh, now it's up till March 28th to meet the demands. And after that, it goes double, $100 million. So <laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, this is the this is the biggest one we've seen from this group. La- I think last year there was one for around thirty million. This is rough. Of course, Acer has said in their defense they've said there is an ongoing investigation and they're not, unable to comment. They haven't actually confirmed this. To their credit, this is still an ongoing situation. It's what we call a brown alert in the industry, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. a, that's what's, that's what they're currently experiencing.
1: <laughs> exactly. Do you think they're going to pay?
0: From what I can see, there is a negotiator. There's an interlocutor. Yeah. Interlocutor.
1: Going, like, look, 10 million In, guys. Inter- come on, 10 million. It,
0: it's exactly that is <laughs> according to this one website, that was actually 10 million was proposed. Oh and, really? There yeah, you go. I yeah. can be a negotiator. Yeah. Anyone
1: yeah. anyone need to Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh now and, and again, we we don't really know much about what's what's going on back and forth. So, you know, again, uh we, we shall see what happens, but it's certainly a heck of a story. And and, you know, and it—you it, it, know—it might have even come. We don't know this for sure, but it might have even come from this, really nasty exchange server exploit that's, that's mm. been going around. Yes. I know which
1: yeah, we covered it actually a few weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah. Oh.
0: And so, you know, I mean, yeah. is Microsoft doing an out-of-band patch for exchange server. Um, you know, if you're running exchange server, definitely get yeah. updated. So we, we don't know. Again, there's a lot of speculation, but, you know, it really goes to show, though, there's these holes that, that ransomware folks go after and including, you know, remote desktop protocol, uh, which is uh, yes. how a lot of people enter remote networks. That's a bad one. You know get patch your systems disable RDP um, you know get a security expert to audit your systems and check it because when you get this stuff it's it's very bad yeah.
2: I wonder if Acer have cyber insurance because the Reval gang there was an interview um, done with a member of the Reval gang in the last week or so a chap going by the name unknown <laughs> the guys at recorded future interviewed him and one of the things which he said, was that they target organisations that have cyber insurance because they presumably think they're more likely to pay up uh, because they've already you know spent money on the insurance? Yeah,
1: and the, they're not personally liable or whatever. They're not. Yeah, they're not going to go get tanked.
2: And, and the fascinating thing about this is that the the Reval gang a claim that what they actually are doing is they're hacking the insurers first to get their customer base to find out who's insured. They then hack those who are insured, and then afterwards, they hit the insurer as well. So it's quite clever and quite targeted, some of the things which they're doing right now.
1: And also insidious, though, to the whole model of insurance, right?
0: At the the end of the day, whether they're targeting insured companies or not, which, by the way, I I would would not be surprised – you know, really, if you run a business and you're an IT and you're a smart person, um, there's some very basic things you can do to protect yourself against ransomware. There's plenty of good advice out there, but realize that it is a real issue. And, and You know, it was heartbreaking. A few years ago, um, I had a very close friend of mine who got hit with ransomware and he called me up and he had three three servers. He's running an internet business and mm. um, he got hit and it, it was a lot of money and, it, and it's terrible when it happens. So not to be a downer, but uh, it's just it's basic security. Put it in, put it in place, put it in hard. Um, you know, it's not like the world is coming to an end, but it's definitely when it happens, it's not something you want to have to experience.
2: Wise words from Alex there. Security, put it in, put it in hard. Good,
0: excellent. <laughs> oh, you please. know that—that's why they have me on Pod Security <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> uh,
2: Carol, what have you got for us this week?
1: Right, so we're talking about Sci Hub. Have you guys ever even heard of that? Sci Hub.
2: How do you spell sci?
1: As in, uh... Like science, like S-C-I. Oh, okay.
2: okay, all right. Hub. Okay? No, I haven't heard of that.
1: Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. So This weekend, I was like seeing these headlines, you know, police warn students to stay away from a legal and dangerous website sci-hub. Asking mm. IT departments to block access to sci-hub on networks. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting, right? Mm. So I started doing a little digging. Yeah, what is it? Okay, so sci-hub, created in 2011... And it's a series of website that basically gives visitors free access to published scientific papers. Oh, right. Any scientific discipline.
2: So if I published a scientific paper about, I don't know, my toenails or something. Oh, like, yeah,
1: sure. Your toenails.
2: <laughs> I'm just looking at what I can see in front of me. well, oh, Not directly. They're not on the tabletop. But anyway, but, you know, it, but then other people could look that up and read about my research. Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: Now, this site was created by this Kazakhstani-based computer programmer called Alexandra Elbakyan, okay, and she was born in the mid-80s. And no surprise, she seems to be a super strong supporter of the whole open access movement, OA for short. And it's like basically this set of principles uh, where basically research outputs are distributed free of cost and without barriers, so anyone can access it time. All right. So, so, okay. So before we get into it, like, do you, what do you think of that as a, as a general sense? Like, do you think research should just be made available or do you think?
0: So I, I've actually experienced this cause I'm, I'm a fiend for, you know, reading these types of things, especially during COVID, you know, you're just, you're sitting at home and you want to learn more about this. And I certainly ran into this where I would start to Google, you know, various epidemiological studies and that sort of thing, just to understand what we were dealing with. And of course you do hit the, uh, the, 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 the paywalls. Now, whose economic benefit? I don't know if the researchers are getting. I mean, if somebody at Stanford or Harvard or you know, or or even my you know local you know University of Florida here is doing a a a, a, a you know some postdoctoral research on on you know some sort of virus strain, I don't think they're getting paid uh, for that, right? Um, and so there's there's some economic interest on these on these sort of aggregators of data, and, but there's a value to what they do. They manage a the peer review process. They manage how people. Um, you know, get the data disseminated. They ensure that the data is is vetted. There's an editorial process. So you we have to respect that. But the actual research itself is in many cases coming out of public dollars, right? It's so I, I, it's, it's a tough one. No, 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 you're exactly right. So not
1: everyone is a fan of this because me in principle, I am totally a fan of this. I think information once vetted should be made accessible to everyone rather than all the junk we have available Like we have to wade through a pile of shit to get anything valuable on <laughs> in the internet. And there's companies like publishing companies like Elsevier who make their cash by providing paid access to research, like exactly as you said. So on average, Elsevier will charge $31.50 per paper for access. Mm-hmm. Whereas repository outfits like Sci-Hub will offer them for free, okay? And... Elbeckian's whole position is taxes pay for universities, universities produce research, they then pay publishing companies to publish the research, and then they have to pay to access said research and research from other universities or science labs. And that's a big problem with someone who supports open access, because it's a very different model, isn't it? All this to say, Sci-Hub and Elsevier are not
2: the best buddies. Elsevier aren't going to be sponsoring our podcast anytime soon, are they? No, I guess. Just last time. <laughs> <laughs> and problem number two is
1: SciHub got really, really, really big, really, really fast, okay? So for context, just know that Facebook managed 6 million users in its first year, mm-hmm. Okay. So in 2017, six years after Sci Hub had launched, it had 70 million papers represented. That's two thirds of all published scientific research available.
2: They just scooped them up and made them accessible. Wow. And
1: today, it's now 80% of the current wow. uh, available scientific papers right. out there. Okay. Now, listen to this volume of data is roughly two and a half times the size of Wikipedia.
2: Oh my goodness. So you can imagine why uh, many people might want to use that site.
1: Well, exactly.
2: If you're a student and you're doing some research and
1: you need to learn about something, what better place than this? Mm-hmm. It's a juggernaut of a site, but there is a little issue it. Let me get to that in a sec. So she's basically saying, fuck you academic publishers, right? I don't think you should be putting a paywall here. And she also has a ginormous amount of clout because... She's got a lot of articles up there. So I was like, how? I'm I'm sure you're wondering the same thing. Like, how did she scoop them all up, right? They are behind paywalls. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you how it works. This is based on the scholarly kitchen. So let's say you want to learn about something. You may do a Google search and you would see Sci-Hub pop up somewhere. You would click on Sci-Hub and a captcha would show up to verify that you're not a bot, of course. Ironic, but there you go. Now, Sci-Hub works with a repository called Library Genesis or LibGen. And that is basically where all its research sits. You put a copy in, it then puts the request to LibGen. LibGen, if it has the research you're looking for, it then sends you a copy. However, if it does not have a copy in LibGen, then it uses multiple institutional access systems... Okay, to search across publisher platforms like Elsevier, perhaps, and others, bypassing any access control barriers. And it retrieves a copy of the item. It delivers a copy to the user who requests it, and it stores a copy in Libgen, so it's easier to serve up next time. So effectively, it's stealing the research and making it available to all.
2: So these papers aren't necessarily hosted on Sci-Hub's own servers, but it will, it will, it finds a way of giving you a link where you can access them. Is that right?
1: No. No, no, it downloads it, gives you a copy, right? right, Because you've asked for it, but then also keeps it in its libgen. So it grows every time you search for something new. Like basically like Google for every search, it it can add or, you know, add or use something that it already has. And during this whole process, Sci-Hub asks for donations, which is how it makes its money. All right. Bitcoins are preferred. So you can see why Elsevier are very pissed, right? And they've been pissed for a while. So
2: they're, they're, they're grabbing the credentials of maybe legitimate students and staff at a university to then use to then use the university's own search engine. So
1: it's not really search engine. Every university has logins to these publishing firms, right? So that they can access the research. And they have authentication processes to go through in order to access that research. Okay, And authorities in the US and the UK are saying that sci uses techniques like phishing to get a hold of these legit authentication logins to get into these research papers and then using them to scoop up the research. And this is where it gets kind of interesting, because obviously we can all understand why Elsevier and other publishing firms are really pissed off because it's cutting off, it's, it's hitting their business model. Now, of course, El Bakian strongly denies this, right? She says that it mostly came from exploiting libraries and university subscriptions, saying that she gained access to around 400 universities that way. And she says also that many academics have
2: offered in their login information. But, you know, uh, two and a half times the source of Wikipedia. So, well, why would anyone give their login information to SciHub knowingly and consciously? A, because you want lots of people to read your frickin' paper, maybe?
1: And they might be pissed off that it cost a fuck ton of money to access this research normally.
2: Is that a metric fuckton or a regular fuckton? Big a ass hero. fuckton. <laughs> okay.
1: So huge brouhaha ensues and SciHub end up getting sued successfully twice by US-based publishers. This happened both in 2015 and in 2017. But the site continues to operate because it's in Russia, outside US jurisdiction. PayPal was blackballed them as well, but now they use Bitcoin. So it's kind of like the WikiLeaks of science research. Do you think? It's kind of like that. It's like we're publishing information that's not ours for the benefit of all. But
2: they've also, uh, allegedly, according to the UK police at least, they've also grabbed people's login credentials and passwords. And presumably they are storing them in some fashion on their servers. And do we have any confidence that that is being done safely? Well, securely?
1: When, do we have that with any company,
2: to be fair? Yeah, but this is...
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, but, but you know, I mean, you know. Um. Anywho, the City of London Police late last week issued a press statement saying students stay away from the site. IT guys at universities block access to Sci-Hub as well because A, it's an illegal site and B, they operate in a way that is deemed dangerous. I'd love to know what they
2: mean by illegal site, though. I mean, I think, is it just like Pirate Bay? Description you've given me, the website is illegally accessing, without proper authorization the servers of universities and accessing material there. So it doesn't have legitimate authorization to do that. So it is doing things which appear to be illegal. So there's a simple solution here. Well, I say simple, it's not that simple. But there there is a solution to this, which is two factor authentication. If these universities had two factor authentication rather than simply username and password, then the username and password won't be able to be abused by Sci Hub, as the police are alleging. Because that magic six digit token or whatever would be changing every thirty seconds. So the legitimate student would be able to enter it, but it would be useless for SciHub, right?
1: Yeah. And you also think if this fishing shit is going on, you? I think fishing shit. By
2: the way, I think that's a different name for caviar, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Basically, the takeaways are whether you're pro or against open access as a concept. Right? Mm. If you were a student, make sure you have a long and unique password for all your accounts. Okay, that's just mm. an easy no brainer. And put on two FA if at all possible. Two, this site is considered illegal. And I'm not sure exactly what that means for you as a visitor of those sites. Okay, and I did try and look. So, But I think that means be very careful before you visit the site or share links to it. I saw a number of articles about people saying, would it be illegal to share a link to an illegal site? Right, even if you don't go to the site, like it's, you know, it, there's a whole legal quack yeah, I think there. The That's other cool.
2: thing that universities could do, perhaps, uh, if people are accessing this from the university campus rather than from their home. So it depends on where you are being a student. Um, is, of course, you could block access to this site.
1: They they keep repeating that. Like, that's what you could do as the IT yeah. people is to block access to the site. You can also go to um, archive.org. That's A-R-X-I-V.org. That's currently the largest legal source of open access papers. So that one at least is legal. And you know what? Ask the person who wrote the paper. Nine times out of ten, they'll just say, oh, yeah, I'm so <laughs> delighted. Here you go done
0: you know it's actually the, the point you make is very valid there i actually had a, a covid a paper that i was very curious about, about about the vaccine and i just i just emailed the author and i said you know i have some questions on this and it's a professor at a major university he emails me back and answers my question so it's not like it's all go. ivory yeah. tower a lot of these a lot of these folks are accessible and you know a lot of these people are in this field because they want to help
1: yes totally
0: i
2: had my uh first vaccine jab last week actually it was great i had the oxford astrazeneca one no side effects at all. I'm completely. Wow. <laughs> no, it, it was all right, really. <laughs> well, let's move on.
1: Okay, pop quiz. How do you get the highest level of privacy without sacrificing convenience? Choosing 1Password for your business, that's how. It offers end-to-end encryption you can count on. You get auto-lock and manual lock for the 1Password app, multi-factor authentication, safe autofill on secure websites, privacy cards, and loads more. Plus, if you switch to 1Password, you can receive its switching bundle. It includes a subscription credit towards your current password manager, hands-on migration support, and free family accounts for every single member of your team. Go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash 1Password. And thanks to 1Password for sponsoring the show. You know you can't do business without technology, and you also know you can't securely access technology without identity security. Enter SailPoint, identity security for the cloud enterprise. It enables access and protects businesses with automated, managed, and governed access in real time with AI-enhanced visibility and controls. SailPoint lets companies run with speed, security, and scale in a cloud-critical, threat-intensive world. Plus, it tracks usage and enforces policies for all users, apps, and data continuously. Want to learn more? I bet you do. Check out smashingsecurity.com slash SailPoint. That's smashingsecurity.com slash SailPoint. And thanks to
2: SailPoint for supporting the show and welcome back Can you join us at our favorite part of the show the part of the show that we like to call pick of the week pick of the week pick of the week pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses saying they like could be a funny story a book that they read a tv show a movie a record a podcast a website or an app whatever they wish doesn't have to be security related necessarily should not be well my pick of the week this week is a little a little bit cyber related, I'm afraid, but it is also quite entertaining. It's all to do with phone scammers. Now, are you familiar with the YouTuber Mark Rober? He is a YouTube star. He's got gazillions of subscribers, including my 10-year-old son. Uh, he's famous for uh, making videos about obstacle courses for ninja squirrels,
1: mm-hmm. filling
2: swimming pools with jelly.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: uh, also he did a great video the, uh, a couple of weeks ago about the Perseverance Mars rover, which actually he had worked on. Or he'd worked on a pre, some previous Mars rover type thing. Um, so he knows all about the science as well. He is a social media star and does some great videos. Quite entertaining. Are you, are you jealous of him? Yes, completely. Okay. Wow. Now, one of the things he's done in the past is he has produced a glitter bomb trap, which he has, uh, devised himself contains a camera inside it and it, it explodes with lots of glitter and it records people and even um, sprays fart smell over people who, st- who steal packages from people's doors. So what happens is the Amazon driver comes along, he dumps something on your porch and then a, a criminal comes along walking down the road, an opportunist and thinks, oh, I'll have that. They take it and then he records and these videos come out and they're covered in glitter so the police know who they were right so he's done that in the past
1: so he's basically a vigilante taking the law he's into his doing own hands glitter glitterifying glitterifying
0: the the the, the video is the Robert. schadenfreude i lo- i've watched that video it is total schadenfreude it's like yeah. know oh, so wonderful. the latest video from him which has
2: come out in the last week targets not these people who still um the actual parcels, but instead it targets phone scammers. So the people who ring up little old ladies Mm. and trick them into, well, the the specific confidence trick is they ring you up, they say, um, we owe you a refund for something or other, and then they trick the little old lady into believing They've been given maybe twenty thousand dollars rather than two hundred dollars. Is it
1: always a lady, or do guys get fooled? or they too smart? It can happen to guys as well, but it, okay. I just want to make sure.
2: Yeah, but it but it principally happens. It appears to people uh, who are elderly who are particularly susceptible to this. So the scam is you accidentally uh, you you believe that you've had twenty thousand dollars put into your account because you can see it on your online bank account. And the scammer has remotely accessed your computer and has changed the appearance of what's on your screen. And then the phone scammer says, oh, I'm going to lose my job. This is disastrous. But we can fix this. Can you mail me back via UPS or FedEx the difference? So please send me $19,000 or whatever it is to make up for it. Right. And people do this. People put huge amounts of money in the post. Now, what Roba did was he he intercepted with the help of some other fantastic YouTubers who, who fight phone scammers like Jim Browning. He intercepted some of these calls, told the people who were about to be scammed about what was going to happen, and in the place of the parcel they were going to send, instead sent a parcel with a glitter bomb inside it. So it didn't have money inside it, it had a glitter bomb instead, and so... And a remote camera. We have a remote camera and GPS and everything else. And you love it, right? You love it. You've got it? to check out the video. It's quite entertaining. You
1: know what? Your birthday's coming up. And
2: uh I'm gonna give you two presents. Anyway, yeah. go and check it out. Links in the show notes. <laughs>
0: Alex, what have you got as your pick of the week? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, the and the, the scams online are they're wicked, unbelievable, and they're. I mean, I, you know, there was my daughter was shopping for some some cart or some. Uh, she was uh, shopping for a golf cart, mm. uh, and and you know, there's this incredible deal on the golf cart. And of course, you contact this person whether well, they want to contact you offline, and then there's all this stuff. And of course, you're you're going to end up having to send some money to somebody that you're never going to get anything for. So, be careful out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And you know, I, I, it's a bizarre little side note. My my visage is used for a large variety of romance scams, and so I'm. Are you
1: kidding? <laughs> are
0: you fucking I'm not kidding? kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So
2: I get, I get. No, Alex, you, you, Alex, you are a good looking. You're a good looking fellow.
0: Oh no, no, no. This is this is bad. No, it it it, it targets a particular woman of a certain age. Um, and. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> but I get these, I get these, I honestly, all joking is I get these heart wrenching, heart wrenching texts of people. This one woman, you know, emailed me, said, I'm Wait, sorry. your phone is included? Oh, what? Hang on. Do, do they do a reverse image search and find you? <gasps> they do a reverse image, they find me. And then, like, this one woman, she emails me. She got me, she got my Gmail address for some reason. And she goes. I'm sorry that you had to. You know, you just no longer talk to me, and you've broken up with me. And I emailed her back. And said, I have no yeah, idea what right, you're Alex. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the scammer took her for something like you know nine thousand oh. dollars. I mean, it, it, but it, it happens routinely. And and uh, you bastard, Alex. You bastard. I know ex- exactly. Appar- I actually ad- apparently I adopted a woman and in Indone- adopt a woman's child in Indonesia. What? <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is this is this is real. I mean, I, I've got this yeah, happens yeah. to me l- literally on a constant basis. I think I would feel
1: like I'd feel phantom guilt, even 100%. though it had nothing to do with me. Yeah, just for existing. Hundred,
0: hundred percent. I feel and being you I feel that's, awful. That's and, what he and, tells
2: and, Mrs. Echoberry anyway. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, I. I, I I have to blame myself for, you know, listen, obviously I've yeah. posted pictures of myself uh, online on Facebook, so I've had to, you know, get my private. Are
1: you nude in these? No. In the
0: Speedos? In the, is it? No, no, no. this is. The big- Budgie <laughs> Smugglers?
1: No, okay. You, you're not sending romantic Fabio-like pictures of you, like in the, you know, like Tarzan oh. Oh, Get Up
0: or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that was that was definitely when I was in my 20s and those pictures, uh, you know. Maybe
2: it's like the Gary Kasparov photo shoot in Playboy. Maybe it's like that. They're all at it.
0: The hairy shoulders. <coughs> the- Gary Kasparov had a photo shoot in Facebook and in and, in and, and- Playboy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on our show recently. And, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's something. Something I needed to really didn't need to know. But thank you. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, this 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 does happen. These romance scams are out. There. I don't know why we got into them. We got we're talking about scams, but this is something that is. I, I mean, you know, we could do a show on this uh, because apparently I've become an expert. Yeah. I think we should. I think we should yeah. specifically. <laughs> why have we done all the rest of this show? <laughs> it should all have been about
2: Alexander <laughs> yes. the Romance. Let's re-record. Now. Let's
0: re-record. Yeah, it's it's humiliating.
2: Please, please, please. <laughs> Fall in for a romance scam with Alex Eckleberry's face. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, what's your pick of the week?
1: Okay, well, mine is definitely not security related. My pick of the week is a new Netflix show mm. that I oh, know yes. you've watched, Graham. I know you know what this is and I know, yeah, you've got some issues. So it's oh. called The One. Yes. And it has a very similar premise to the Amazon show, which I reviewed a few weeks ago, and I can't
2: remember the name of soulmates, now.
1: soulmates, exactly mm-hmm. similar to that one. Uh, but a little bit different. So this one's like, uh, love and lies, kind of spiral out of control where when this DNA researcher discovers a way to find the perfect love, like the one true love, and then creates this bold new matchmaking service. So that's like the premise as you open, right? And she, yep. uh, the whole first episode is like, she's at the top of her, you know, find your number one love game. And, her, you know, she's the CEO of the company. She's and all like this. Elon
2: Musk or the CEO. Yeah, of the she's her, like Elon she, Musk. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But then a body's recovered from the Thames and it's someone she knows. And the cops are sniffing around and you've got founders and you've got all kinds of action packed type <laughs> deception stuff. And it's, but I found it a very solid piece of entertainment, you know,
2: Uh Graham. Well, I think the premise was quite fun because I have watched this on your recommendation. The premise was quite fun, which was imagine a world where you can sign up for a service and it will tell you the one person you are guaranteed to fall in love with and they will fall in love with you on a biological Were you level.
1: hoping they would have like a little uh, little questionnaire at the end or
2: something? Oh, no, I know. I just, I thought, I thought, oh, that could be fun because imagine how that would change the world if that were to happen and people would get divorced and, you know, it, all, all the melancholy if your tr- true one love got Crushed by a steamroller or something, you know I thought, oh, this could be interesting, but what a load of old cobblers it was watching this show I'm sorry, crawl, it was I was getting so annoyed by it,
1: so it made you feel something check
2: it did. <laughs> Annoyance, yeah. <laughs> well, what anything, anything at this point? I seem <laughs> to remember I was halfway through episode two when I texted you and I said, "Does this get any better? Is it worth watching anymore?" And you said, "Oh yes, there's going to be twists and turns." And so I watched all ruddy eight episodes. Yeah, and I. Okay, I don't want to be. I don't want to slag off your pick of the week. Oh no, well, <laughs> you haven't done that yet. No, <laughs> but I. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. I have to say, I found some of the plotting absolutely ridiculous, and it, I was just this from a lot Doctor of, Who. I spend a, fan. I spent a lot of my time just going, "That wouldn't happen."
0: That this is. from a Doctor Who fan? Yeah, but Doctor Who's different. That's about time travel, which yeah. we know occurs.
1: You get garbage cans turned upside down <laughs> coming after you, hey, and like, hey, that could happen. That you. could happen. The plunger is coming at you. The whisk? Oh no, not the whisk! Okay. <laughs> Anyway, I thought it was great. She has excellent clothing. If nothing else, guys, watch for oh, the this... stylish, stylish, stylish Rebecca Webb. Um, and I thought it was great. And uh, you Graham, know, you get, Graham, you... can,
0: can we watch it together? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the dresses. And stuff?
1: <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's called The One. Choose your side, Graham, or Crawl.
2: Yeah, that's all you, I can say. You, they'll quit after episode two. I'm sure of it. It's not.
1: Yeah. Bad. Well. Well, good for I, I, them. I, I, You good know, them.
0: if you're going to throw out a movie, I'm just going to throw out one. I'm going to say Afterlife with Ricky Gervais is delightful. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
1: I've not watched all of it. Is so, it good?
0: Oh, it's so delightful. It's just like okay. Very, very. A lot of, lot of heart. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good show. Well, on that note, we've just
2: about wrapped it up for this week. Alex, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online, maybe get into a romantic relationship with you. <laughs> Send a get your phone number. <laughs> 555.
0: At... At Alex Eck, at Alex Eck on Twitter. So, at Alex Eck. Oh,
2: okay. Fantastic. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Smash Insecurity, no G, Twitter and last of G. And we're also on Reddit. Just look for the Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smashing Security in your favourite podcast app. And if you want to do something for the show, sure, you could become a patron. But, you know, hey, that's going to cost some money. Maybe just tell your friends about Smashing Security. Spread the word. That's one of the best ways in which you can help us.
1: But, hey, listen, you already help us by listening to the show special thanks go out to 1Password and SailPoint as well to all our Patreon supporters. All these people help make this show free for all. For additional information on any of the stories we've covered here sponsorship details and the entire back catalogue of 219 episodes check out smashingsecurity.com
2: Until next time cheerio. Bye bye. Bye. Oh what you're not going to say
0: bye Alex? Oh god. Sorry. It's okay. just a bit antisocial. Bye. <laughs> it's just a bit. Well, it's always hard when you're in someone else's podcast. And you don't always know the rules. So you kind of yeah. just. I I don't know. We're just teasing you. We're teasing. Okay. So bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It? Take two. Take three. Bye. 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 You can see me on the internet. <laughs> photos. <laughs>